Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the cold winter of 1989, a Sabat pack who has suffered an immeasurable loss is given an ultimatum. Go to the Twin Cities of Minnesota, investigate why a deeply embedded pack has stopped reporting back, or meet their final death. This is Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Cities by Night, Sorrow, a tale of loss and regret that follows the Sabat pack known as the Nothing. Join us with Becca playing Linda, a Milkavian anti-tribute, Craig playing Jake, a pander, Jordan playing Abigail, a Ravenous anti-tribute, Monica playing Jenny, a Shimizi, and Slavic playing Charlie, a Bruja anti-tribute, and Chris as the storyteller. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter, at twin underscore cities underscore btm or on facebook and discord as twin cities by night we hope you enjoy so you are all in this van in front of this looks like closed out business what are you guys doing jenny would be looking around to make sure that the place is you know cleared out but given the time of night it's probably very low volume of people if anybody around and she's going to be trying to arching her neck, trying to see if she can look through the windows inside. There's no one around right now. It's actually the, the three other businesses are closed. They're like They have four lease signs. There's no one in the parking lot. There's just like these snow drifts and these two street lights. Now, are you when you say you're craning your neck, are you staying in the vehicle trying to look through the front window and then t- into the business window? Or are you getting yeah. out of the van? Okay. No, so far we just stopped. I turned off the engine and we're looking. I'm looking through the windshield and at the business to see if I can spot anyone or anything moving inside. Uh, you do not see anyone or anything moving right now. It just looks like, you know, how like when they close a business like that and they just leave one light on just to have that weird ambient vibe. That's as far as that's what you can tell. And again, though, you are the business windows are kind of like frosted over a little bit, not completely, you know, like iced over, but you can see like through like where like the, in what you seem to be like the heater and doors, like defrosting the, the front windows a little bit to where you can see through, but you can't make out too great details, but you definitely can see that the place there's no one in there right now. Well, with that, Linda will actually like, uh, she'll exit the van Mm-hmm. and get a closer like go up to the windows and i want to use heightened senses to just get a better view inside nice so you hear you guys hear the of the van door slide open as linda gets out she like just beeline straight for this window before you guys can you know even re- realize what she's doing and she goes and looks in linda i am going to actually have you since you have heightened senses i'm going to have you roll a perception and investigation difficulty five okay because investigation follows under falls yeah. under knowledges can i make that roll because i don't if, have any dots in it if you don't then i'll allow you to roll perception and alertness but difficulty six instead of five okay four successes plus one of them's a 10 i don't i don't know if insightful works for this one. Oh yeah i wouldn't say insightful okay. yeah yeah but that's still a lot of successes you go up and you kind of like use your forearm to like wipe a little bit of like the frosting aside so you can get like a clearer vision inside of it and you stop and you look through the glass and you see what's past it but there's a moment where you close your eyes and you take this deep breath and you kind of push 
everything around you out and you reopen your eyes. And when you reopen your eyes, you feel hypervigilant. It almost kind of reminds you of the moment when you were embraced and you were seeing everything clearly, everything slowed down. You're almost like in shock, but your mind was processing it better. And that feeling, that familiar feeling clicks in your head as you start analytically looking over this room. You see that there are two rows of desks, three on each side. They are the cheap insurance salesman desks that you see that are created with the sole purpose and intent of just housing someone to do a specific task. You see that there's phones on each of these desks, big clunking phones with multiple buttons that can be hit on the right with the receiver on the left. They look to be like a tannish color. You see these big monitors that are wide and heavy that are sitting on each desk, almost like miniature TVs, white, kind of that ivory color too, just like the phone. But you notice though, that the room seems to have been somewhat cleared out. Like it looks like someone went through that room in a rush. You see that there's scraps of like shredding scraps that are along the floor. Like most of it probably was thrown in a bag, but you, as you're looking and you focus in on this carpet, this brownish carpet, you see little thin strips of paper that were like ripped in half that maybe someone wouldn't notice, but you're starting to see a pattern of them, like a trail of them. Like they went from the back down to the middle of all these desks, almost like someone might've taken like a bag of these out and some might've slipped out or just had been someone's pants and they wiped them off their pants or something to that extent. You see that some desk drawers have been left open, like someone went through them and you actually see one of the desks, like the phone receivers off of it. And then you look at another one, you realize that the cables on the back of the monitor are just dangling there, like they're not connected to anything. And you see some file cabinets along the back, they look like that they've been opened and just left open. Go ahead, scenes on you. So Linda's taking that moment to, to look through it, does one last sweep with her eyes and heads back to the van. She, when she exited, she left the door open and then coming back in, she'll close it. It looks like the place has been cleared out. Okay, is that everything then? We surely can't be done. No, I mean, I don't know if this is a dead end, but we're not done with what we need to do. I'm not sure there's anything in there that we can glean without actually going in there. So if everything is cleared out, um, well, maybe they left something behind. I, I want to check it out anyway, just to... See if they didn't leave anything, maybe left something that wasn't tied to the company that was is there, and then we can search from there. Shouldn't take us that long if it's really cleared out. Come on, I'll help. Yeah, let's look inside, see if they left in a hurry. Maybe if they were rushing, they could have left a clue behind. So what's the plan, Stan? Who's going to go in there? Who's, is someone staying out? Are you all going in there? Or? I mean, I think if we all go in there, then we could search this place pretty quickly. And Jake's not really wanting to leave anyone alone somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good call. So you four get out of the van and you step out into the cold and you're standing on the this sidewalk. You step over the curve and you stand on the sidewalk and you are looking into this office lot. And what are you guys doing right now? Jake's going to try the door on the off chance it's open. You grab, it has one of those like solid metal handles that are like flat metal, you know, that they're kind of not like the kind you can grab around, but you can kind of cup 
and you go to pull it and you just feel like it shake a little bit like it doesn't open but you know how, how you can tell it's locked this place have an extra like a back door or a fire escape or anything you can go walk around and look let's uh, let's check out the back maybe uh it'll look less suspicious if the back was broken into rather than the front yeah sounds good and i'm sure you'll be able to get us in anyway right and Jake kind of shrugs and starts walking towards the back. Are you all four going to the back? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you all four start walking because this business is on the far right of the strip mall. So you guys make a right and you kind of walk around the corner. As you walk around the corner, you can see that there's like a lane where someone could drive around the back if they wanted to. And you can see over that lane, there's like the, the brick side of another business. You can't tell what the business is, but you can kind of see it there. You see that there's like some bushes on the other side of the lane, but they're covered with snow right now. But you can still, you know, obviously see that there's a brick wall there. As you walk around, you feel the wind isn't hitting you like it was before. And then when you go to make a left, where you can make a left, you go to the back and you see that there's like another, like like the lane curves around that way. And there's, looks like there's room for like some people to park back there if they want to park back there for like, you know, business owners and they don't want to park in the front. You see that there's these green dumpsters that you can kind of make out the green of the dumpsters in the back, but there's snow that's kind of like pushed up to there where, you know, like people, someone had went through and plowed and you see in the back, instead of a glass door, like there was in the front, there's like a, you know, kind of a metal door, you know, like the, the brown painted brown kind of metal doors there that this one actually has a handle on it underneath that has where you can put like a key. And you can look and you can see that there's like three other ones for like the three corresponding lots that are on the back there. You see that there's like a little ladder where you can kind of climb up to go on the roof, you know, of this building there. Uh, like it's like one of those ladders that are like latched onto the cement, you know, that you can kind of climb up there. But right now that that's what you see. So what are you guys doing? I think I could get up there and see if we can get in from the top. Sure. I mean, if you could do that, then... You just like let us in and we won't have to break in any place obvious. Yeah, of course. And I think that is what Abigail is going to try. Going to climb up there and see if there's anything on top of the roof. So Abigail, when you grasp these metal bars, you can feel how cold they are. You can kind of feel your skin stick to them. If they, if you still radiated heat and moisture from your hands, your flesh would probably stick on there and you'd probably like harm yourself. But you find as when you grasp that cold iron, it almost matches that cold demeanor that you feel that's in the back of your head sometimes that you have to push away. And you're able to lift yourself up and you slowly make your way up this ladder. It's about like 12 rungs that you have to climb up. And you get to where you get over it and you see you're on the top of this building. And you see there's snow on the top here, but you see like you can tell that underneath the snow in some areas where snow has it completely covered, there's like that black tar topping that these buildings have you see there's this big like heating unit like a metal heating unit that's on there that you assume is for the all the different businesses there and as you're walking along the top you can kind of feel that give a little bit that your feet have when you're on like a ceiling like this a little bit like you almost feel like you're doing something that goes against the reality the basis that you should be walking on a roof like this and you're walking and you're looking and you're trying to find a way to get in there so give me a perception and alertness please difficulty seven I botched. You're walking around and you're trying to find a way in. You're moving snow. You're kicking snow around. You go look at this metal AC heating unit. You're trying to follow like a vent to see if there's a way to get in. 
And there's a moment where you start like trying to push at the vent, thinking maybe I can get into the vent. And you're and you guys hear this like clanging that's up there, like doom, 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 like is she trying to get into something? Then you hear trying to find your way in. I see coming from behind you. Abigail hears this as she's trying to push to get in. Abigail immediately stops what she is doing and very slowly just turns around, not saying anything. You see a figure standing there. He has blue slacks on. You see that he has dark shoes, look like they're black leather, and he has a gray navy pea coat on that's about waist long. You see he has short, well-trimmed blonde hair, and he'll look at you. What, what did you say? You said you just turned around and you looked. You, you said you didn't say anything, right? He's like, what has you interested in what you could potentially find down there? Abigail will stay silent for a little bit, thinking what she's going to say, and then say, we lost something and we're looking for it. You see the moment where he's looking at you for a second. You see as he's like chill, like gray eyes that seem to match like this top up here because it mind you everything is illuminated right now by like the street lamps that are in the parking lot right now and you see like shadows though as you're like talking to him and you're trying to make out his face you kind of see shadows seem thicker like around the backdrop of him or around his feet and he's like i think i may have a part of what you're looking for or i should say that i am probably part of what you're looking for do these shadows particularly remind me of shadows around either Felix or Paya? Why'd you give me a perception and a cult role there, Junior? Difficulty six. <laughs> I can't. I don't have a cult. Well, perception alertness, difficulty seven then. Okay. Two successes. They indeed do. Because as you feel like you're talking to him, you see that they seem to like, you're, 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 there's a moment where you're like, oh, and you see like shadows from like some of the snow drifts almost seem to be like it's almost like a, a a slow spread of water on the cement when there's a slight incline like you look away you look back it seems to be a little bit longer or it seems to be flowing in strings a little bit more and he's like before you scream out for your companions i want to talk to you i want to know why you're here enough of the games okay but they're they're not gonna like me making sound and then not hearing anything from me for too long. I understand. Speak. Make it quick then. Uh, okay. So we were sent here to find some people that didn't respond back. Then you were here for the right reasons. I knew you and your friends there didn't seem to be from the city here. Go down there. Tell them the door will be opened. We can talk. Tell them they have found a piece of what they are looking for. Okay. Uh, yeah. See, see you in a bit? Yes, you will see me in a bit. And he just and looks at you like he's waiting for you to walk. You know what I mean? He like steps aside. He's just like looking at you and looking at the ladder. Abigail will try and keep her composure until she's at the ladder and then rush downwards. Because <laughs> that was scary. So you guys see Abigail's like feet come down. And then all of a sudden you just see her like look down. And she's like, like, like almost like like drops down a couple but she's able to keep her bearing as she gets down on the ground go ahead scenes on you guys is it locked up there too i i didn't really get that far but um i think i found slash we found what we were looking for or at least part of it and he's gonna open the door soon then we can go in i look at jenny really super hard what do you mean you found a person up there yeah 
it turns out that if you try and get into a heating vent, that makes noise and people can sneak up on you. Was it, a, was it a human that you saw or was it one of us? I think, I'm pretty sure it was one of us because people are better at sneaking up on you when they use the shadows. We got to be careful then. We don't know what his intentions are. He said he was going to open the door for us. And as you say that the door opens, the back door. He's like, please make your way inside here. Jenny's going to jump a little bit because she's naturally very flighty. But she's going to look at the person and then at the door. And then she's going to put her hand, you know, kind of moving Abigail behind her. And she'll be the first one to go in. Are you rest of you following? Yeah, Abigail will follow after Jenny's second. Yeah, Jake will kind of like grab Linda's arm and like walk in with her. As you guys walk into the back, you see that there's like, you you see it's almost exactly connects to like what you saw in the front, but through a back door. You see that there's a janitor closet like on the left and there's a bathroom on the right, like a unisex bathroom. And then there's just those six desks. This is a very small area. And he turns and he walks forward with his back exposed to you all. And then he turns around and he like goes and stands between two of the desks, the third or the first and second desk on the right. And he like leans against the wall and he puts his hands in his Navy peacoat jacket and he waits for you four to come in. And he says, please close the door behind you. Jake will make sure that it closes tight and then kind of turn around and try to find some way to like, he's not quite sure what this guy's deal is. So he's kind of, readying himself to physically interpose himself between any one of his packmates as things should go south. So you were sent here to find my pack and I. Am I correct in that? Yes. Uh, Sangris sent us. Okay, who is the doctor? Who do I address? Jake kind of looks at Abigail. Abigail looks at the rest of them, sees them looking at her and says, I guess that would be me. You, you guess it would be you. And he kind of looks at you, like, confused. Yes. We recently lost our doctors. You see a moment where he sits back and he, and he, like, his head comes back and he, like, leans his head against the wall. And he kind of, like, you know, like, he's trying to stretch his neck out. And he just, like, closes his eyes and he, like, puts it straight again. He opens his eyes. He looks at you. He's like, I'm sorry for your loss, sister. Thank you. It has been hard on us. Mm. Yes, they bond us together to fight the war. And then when we lose a link, it hurts us all. We love it until we don't. And he stu- yeah. and he, so you're here to find me. That is well, good. We were sent here to find a whole pack. And hopefully, well, minus one. Hopefully we will. What do you know of my pack? So far, we know that there were at least three of you. And that one of you died. And that you didn't report back in. There's actually five of us and one died. Yes. Who sent you? You said you're from Montreal? Yep. So was Sangres. All of them are clamoring for this city. All these people who control all of us are all fighting for it amongst themselves. Even though no one will say it out loud. If it's not him, it's Vidar or it's someone else. They can have this fucking place for all I care. I'm ready to go. Did he tell you what my pack does? Did he give you the decency, the courtesy to tell you at least what to what we do? What our purpose is? He didn't, did he? They told us you were sent here to infiltrate the city. <laughs> I love how they put it. They do not know what goes all behind it. Here, I will explain to you. 
my pack name is Strata Black. We've been a pack before I was even a member of it. What we do, sisters, we go into cities and we embed ourselves into the cities and we don't communicate with each other. We all have our tasks. And what we do is we weaken a city from the inside from whom whatever bishop or archbishop deems it to be. Most of the time we go into the city and we do it and nothing comes of it. But we were sent here about 11 years ago. It was me, my pack leader, my ductus Logan, our priestess Mallory, Mark, and one who calls herself the goddess of veneration. You see, we all have our own purpose here. And what the four of us did was we went our own ways. And the only way we would communicate with each other was through Logan or the times when Mallory would put us together to strengthen our Valdery, which would happen every so often, every year or two or three. Well, my purpose was, was to weaken the financial stability and the resources that the leadership of the city has here. We have a company that we call Black Eagle Investments that we run for that very purpose. You see, what we do is we funnel funds for companies. One is Madrid Imports, which is another friend company. But what we do is we try to worm our way into establishments, find insider threats, people we can use. And that's what this was. This was a front where this was done. And we were making progress and it was going good until it wasn't. They found out about us. They closed ranks. Deals were made. I emptied out this place four months ago and I waited. Every night I come here and I sit here and I watch waiting for either Logan or one of my pack mates to come to tell me it is time to leave. And I have not heard anything, but I felt something. I felt the goddess. I felt a hole within myself. And I know she has met final death. You see, we each have our own roles. Like I said, the goddess, she was on some existential sexual corruption. of So you see what she would do is actually rather brilliant. And you see, he gets, he sits up straight, kind of like, leans himself off the wall and he puts his hand on the desk, one of the desks, and he takes his other hand, he puts it out in front of him. What she does is she puts herself into the underbelly of a city, almost like a parasite. She grains herself into it. And she slowly through her influence pulls those that she needs to, to her. And then she brings them back out into the world. She never spoke and she would simply lay there, but within her mind, there was vast amounts of influence and knowledge. I rather miss her. It was odd at first when you meet someone like that and you stare at their catatonic body and they just drool on themselves and they look at you or you're not even sure if they are, but then they speak in your head and you notice that there's a lot more to them there. You see what she was doing is, you're aware of what a prince is. Do you know what a prince is? You all look so young and lost. Is this like the singer? No. It is not like the singer. I'm going to have you all roll intelligence and call it difficulty six. If you can roll it, roll it, please, and tell me what your results are. I was actually almost afraid to start talking in case this guy turned out to be something who took offense to that sort of thing. Jenny botched. Jake also botched, so he probably said exactly what he did say. Abigail can't roll, can she? Okay, so you think the prince is the highest vampire in the Camarilla. Like, like he's a sworn enemy of the Sabbat. He's the most powerful kindred on the other side. A prince. And someone like Sangres, who runs the city. You'd find, be surprised how similar they are, even though they swear they're on both opposite ends of the spectrum. 
So what we were doing is we were embedding ourselves into the prince's company. It's called Brentwood Industries. And what the goddess did was through playing on morals, inner desires, on the darker side that you should all be comfortable with at this point, I would assume, but playing on the taboo. You see, I feel like I should charge you for these lessons I'm giving you. You see, you are aware of what happens when we give our vitae to the cows out there that go about their lives. And Jenny, you do know that. Jake looks to Jenny. Jenny's going to nod slowly. What about it? Ah, I see I've struck a chord with you. You see, when we give our vitae to those that don't deserve it, it brings out desires in them that they harbor deep within themselves. It brings about a little bit of us in them, something that their uninvolved mind cannot handle. So what we did, and more so the goddess, was we targeted that cast of people within the company. We know their tastes. We need that they want to do the taboo. They want to do things that their wives or their girlfriends or their boyfriends won't do. And in that net that we threw out, we caught one. We caught the ghoul of Philip Brentwood, the prince of the city. And we were in the process of bringing him over. He was giving us information. He was giving me information. He was helping me with insider data about Brentwood Industries. And we were so close to taking him over. And like I said, it all backfired. They found out. And I have been alone since then. Mallory, my priestess, I have no idea what she does. And I have no idea what she's doing. And I worry for her. Last I saw her last year, she seemed distracted. That's just my opinion. But I trust Logan's judgment, I suppose. He has been the ductus of this pack before I was even brought over. And then there is Mark. Oh, Mark. What an interesting individual he is. That one. A little rough around the edges. But if I was to say that we had a sword arm, he would be it. But you see, what he does is rather interesting, I feel. It could be somewhat entertaining. What he does is he goes within a city and he embraces and he lets the person be alone in a city by themselves. Because you see what these types don't like is they don't like when there are their kindred that are brought over and do not have any idea what clan they are or the prestige they are, the wretched mutts that they may be. I need you, Jake, to roll me a self-control roll, please. Difficulty three. Just one success. You feel like that little, you mm, that little touch, and he looks at you, and he's like, "Oh, I see. I struck a nerve. I apologize. No offense, met. You're part of our family, I suppose. But you see, we each in our city has our own role. And Logan would come to us and share information. We were never to speak to each other or know where each other was. Of course, I'm sure that makes sense. If one of us got caught, we could not give away the position of the others. But as Logan and Mallory says sometimes, I do not play by the rules often. But we need to talk about what you were told to do exactly. What were you specifically told to do? Because here's what I want. If you want me to come back with you, you need to help my pack. You need to help me go find the rest of them. That is the only way I will leave this city with you. I'd much rather die here the final death than feel what I felt when the goddess died. I think you can understand that, yes? Abigail thinks back about waking up with not one, but two holes that, that yeah, just the emptiness of that. 
And she says, oh, yes. Yes, I understand. We were specifically given the task to bring you and your pack back. Or, if that was not possible, bring back the information that you gathered. Well, that is good news then. Because I know where Mark is at. He would not be happy that I know where he's at, but I do know where he's at. Mallory and Logan, I do not know. I didn't even really know where the goddess was, even though times I would miss her company. So here's what I'm willing to do. Come with me. We will go talk to Mark. Find out what Mark knows, because I tell you what, young one, you will not get all the information unless you find all of us. Because I don't even have all the information. I just have the role that I was to play. And who are you? My name is Benjamin. And your name is? Jake. Jake. Nice to meet you, Jake. And you? And he looks at you, Abigail. My name is Abigail, and these are Linda and Jenny. Hello, Linda, and hello, Jenny. How about this? The quicker we can get done, we can leave this godforsaken city. I fucking hate it. I've hated it since I've been here. That sounds like a plan to us, but just know we're watching you. Oh, you mean like how I was watching you before, yes? Something like that. Of course. Listen, Jenny, we all fight for the same team. And while it is smart that you watch me, you have to realize we are in enemy territory right now. You may not see it when you look out these windows. You may not see it when you drive down the street. You may not see it when you are in close confines with your friends here. But death is out there. And if you are not careful, you will meet the same fate that the goddess met. That is not a threat. That is simply a fact. Keep your heads low. Keep your behaviors in check. I have been here for too long and survived too long to have some new pack come in here leaderless. God knows what Sangris was thinking sending you. Come in here leaderless and having me killed. Maybe he wouldn't have to send us if you could pick up a phone. Huh. You think it is that easy? I pick up one of those things and he motions to the phone. I call Sangris. Hmm? Do you know who may be listening on that? If I give Sangris's location away, or I just give up the fact that I am here, that their suspicions are true, and I end up like the goddess. Quit thinking like what you were. Start thinking like what you are. You'll find out, Jake, that you'll survive much longer. I don't know if your doctors and priestess told you before you left, most of us do not survive past the first couple of years. And his behaviors and impulses like you just showed there that lead to that. So next time you have an idea about something, stop, think on it. Think of the risk that not only does it put you, but it puts your pack in before doing it. And I'll give you that nugget of information for free. Next time I may charge you. He just kind of smiles at you. So where to in that van out there? And you see, he just kind of looks at it. Well, I, I guess towards Mark, right? Yes. Let's just get it done then. If you're enjoying Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Cities by Night Sorrow, and are looking for more Sabbat stories, you can check out our Vampire the Masquerade story, Wars on Fire, which tells the tale of the Pale Riders pack and takes place on the border of Texas and Mexico. We hope you enjoy.